Hello and welcome, beautiful soul, to the Co-Creating Radiance podcast, where we offer support in cultivating a harmonious consciousness. In this space, we share and discuss topics ranging from the mundane to the magical, sharing our own experiences and the evolution of our individual spiritual paths with the hope and intention of providing perspective, insights, and education. May these heartfelt conversations spark your curiosity and imagination as you uncover your soul's truth along the path of inner harmony and conscious self-expression. We are so grateful to have you with us. Please pull up a chair, grab your favorite beverage, and settle in as we dive deep. Welcome back, everyone. It is such a pleasure and honor to hold this space with you. My name is Thea. I am one of the co-creators of this space. And as always, I am pleased and excited to share this space with my dear friend, soul sister, and co-creatrix, Gina. Good morning, everybody. Let's (laughs) begin as we do, always, always, by just coming into the present moment, which is uh, the way that we take it is connecting with the breath, right? So wherever you are, if you're sitting, standing, walking, laying down, driving, whatever you're doing, take a moment to uh, bring your attention from your mind down into your body. And with this awareness, we begin to inhale and fill up the lungs consciously, fill up the belly, diaphragm, Maybe hold the breath at the top of that inhale. And then exhale, let the breath out of your mouth. Nice. And feel free at any time (laughs) during the podcast or any time during your day Mm -hmm. to give yourself the permission to take as many of those deep breaths as you like um, Mm. because there are many opportunities always where we can become very not present (laughs) and Mm. very uh, muddled confused and maybe too up in our heads and the breath Mm -hmm. just simplifies everything so Mm -hmm. valuable tool Mm -hmm. yes you know especially you know it this has been a standout year for many reasons Mm -hmm. um you know but I find myself more often than not kind of feeling almost outside of myself you know a lot of our focus is pulled in many different directions whether it's your job or your children or family or maybe you having some life events you know taking the time to I love to close my eyes when we do these breaths Mm. because it For me, it just kind of helps me to focus more intently on the action that I'm doing. You know, they say when you eliminate one of your senses, your others become more heightened to make up for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I like to do that as kind of like an extra step. I kind of get settled in, plant my feet on the floor. If there's a surface I can rest my hands on, I'll do that and I'll close my eyes. Nice. And it kind of just helps me to solidify that intention of focusing on that breath and and becoming more in the present moment. So thank you so much for leading us through that, Gina. I always love it when you lead us through it. Ah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so today, everybody, we wanted to jump into the the topic of 
books. Mm, um, books. A lot of people have asked me and probably you, Thea, as well, just about uh, books that we use as reference points for mm-hmm. our practices and uh, as reference points for, I don't know, just uh, the, the pure impact that certain uh, literature has made on our lives um, and has contributed to like who we are as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what we're that's what we're gonna dive in today. Diving into books that we've read in the past, diving into uh, books that we're reading currently, and just um, for you, our listeners, you know, you you'll have a a plethora <laughs> of, or a cornucopia. Can I use that word? Sure. Yes. Um, cornucopia. <laughs> it's the appropriate time of the year, almost. Yes. Um, to of uh, uh, of references that you can use for yourself. Um, uh, if you're an avid reader or not, you know, you mm-hmm. can always look up um, uh, the info behind what is offered today. So, yeah. 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 And before we get started, Gina, I, I'm curious, mm-hmm. when did you decide or when did you learn or discover that you loved reading, that you loved books? You know, it was, um, I don't know. I, I always just... I, I picked it up fast when I was young, like when mm-hmm. my when my um, mom was teaching me how to read, mm-hmm. um, and I just became avid from that point forward. I loved reading, <laughs> and I've always felt like whenever I go into a library or into like Powell's is one of my favorite places up here in uh, oh, the Portland area. Just so good. It could be anywhere. It could even be in the tiniest bookshop. And I'm just immediately at home in the company of books. Yeah. Um, I even in people's houses, too, if they've got like a solid like bookshelf of like mm-hmm. the classics on it and yeah. just a bunch of poetry and whatever maps encyclopedias, whatever <laughs> it, I just feel at like the smells the the colors of the covers like just everything just being surrounded by knowledge uh, yes. and experience has always felt very comforting to me so nice. yeah I love that. what about you oh man <laughs> I feel like I've been a book hoarder probably since I was a child mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> oh my gosh I don't know if this is still a thing so if this is completely foreign to you, I'm going to try to describe it the best I can. Mm-hmm. And Gina, I know you grew up in California, so maybe they didn't have something like this. But I remember being in elementary school and then doing annual book fairs. Oh, yeah, we had book fairs. With like Scholastic. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a ready supply wow. of books like 24-7. I was a part of a book club as a kid. Mm-hmm. So like Berenstein Bears, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Little Bear was a big one. Mm-hmm. Just, and of course, you know, there were Disney classics. And, you yeah. know, my grandparents also had a plethora of books. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up. And so I would actually ask to read to them and bless their hearts. They let me do it every time I asked. Oh, which was probably every time I saw them <laughs> <laughs> multiple times. So, yeah, and then, you know, growing up, um, I live, grew up in Salem, mostly, 
And I don't know if you have the opportunity to visit the Salem Public Library, but it is the bomb.com. It is the bomb diggity. It is so cool. There are carvings and murals everywhere, or at least um, in the main entry. And I always thought it was like the most fucking magical place. Mm -hmm. They had like an explore room where they had like different themes. So you could... um, try on different costumes you could play with sand and kinetics you could do puzzles it was just really really cool awesome and I spent most a lot a good portion of my childhood and um, my adolescence there and the I can actually thank it for helping me to discover probably the first book I'm going to share when we jump into that Mm. and I'll save that story but I yeah I've, I've always been to books and books actually helped me land my husband. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, we'd been talking a little bit and uh, got on the conversation of books. And I told him about the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. Mm. And he's like, wow, that's way dirtier than I read. And so he told me that's what how he decided to to give me his phone number and ask me out on a date. So don't don't knock the books, ladies and gents. That can help you find your spouse or your life <laughs> partner, or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So obviously, books books have such a special place in my heart, and it's like you said, there's something so comforting and profound when you hold a book in your hand. I'm not much of an e-reader. I think for the folks that like it and benefit from it, I think that's wonderful. But for me, there's there's nothing that compares to having a book in your hands and being able to turn those pages. I remember- Smell it and smell the book. Oh my no, God. Smell the book. <laughs> smell the book. Smell it. <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers Borders, RIP Borders. But that was like, if any time I got allowance, when I wasn't spending my money on, <laughs> when I was spending it on at like age 10, I would ask to go to Borders. Does anyone remember Wishbone? Yeah. Oh my God. That was like my jam. That was my dream to have a dog that <laughs> could read <laughs> <laughs> and go on adventures with. And uh, he had his own book series, and I remember collecting those for a little while. And yeah, it just, it seems like every kind of stage of my life, there's been something about books that has just always helped me, I don't want to say stay grounded, because a lot of times they actually help me escape. But, yeah. but I feel like there's a sense of, there's just a special relationship that a girl has with her books. Mm. <laughs> hmm so if if you've experienced it, then you know. And if you haven't experienced it, I think it's never too late. Yeah. That special book is out there just waiting for you to pick it up or download it. However, that suits you. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. Ugh. I could go on about my love for books forever, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> we're here to talk about specific books. Yeah. Definitely. Would you like to start us so- off? Sure. I think let yeah, and let's just um let's just take turns back and forth. Um, I wanted to start first with a book called Siddhartha. Um, oh, yes. we, yeah, by Herman Hesse. 
Um, actually, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. So um, if anybody knows how to pronounce it correctly, uh, you can correct me later. Um, Siddhartha. <laughs> so it's the story of uh, the Buddha um, and about just his venture toward uh, enlightenment and um, what he came to call um, the middle way. Um mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a story about his journey through, um, you know, being born into a very high caste um, Brahmin family. Um, so he was well off and when he was born and, uh, uh, but he knew that there was something missing, you know, and, and that's why he went on a spiritual journey uh, in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so it just kind of chronicles his story of, um, being of, of high birth and becoming an extreme ascetic, uh, getting really into his practices as a monk, um, mm-hmm. dwelling in the forest and, um, of meeting a beautiful woman named, I'm like giving away the whole story. Sorry. <laughs> um, but actually, if you know, if you know a little bit about Buddhism and Buddha's story, this will be, um, evident to you anyhow. But yeah, just chronicling his story of moving from like one opposite to the other, one opposite mm-hmm. to the other, until he finally gets so exhausted that he sits under, you know, the Bodhi tree mm-hmm. and uh, reaches enlightenment and then begins to teach from that place. Yeah. So uh, we were required to read this in high school, I believe. I don't remember if it was ninth grade or 10th grade. Wow. But we were, yeah, so in whatever English class I was in, we were reading Siddhartha and um, that worked out for me because it sparked my, (laughs) (laughs) it sparked my interest in Buddhism. You know, I didn't, I didn't know about it um, until um, I was exposed to this book really. And, um, and in many ways uh, starting to get into after this, after reading this, starting to get into books by the Dalai Lama Mm-hmm. And just doing my own research on the subject um, allowed me to later um, in the years that would follow to dive into my yoga practice more deeply. Um, so in that way, I'm very grateful for this book. It's an incredible mm-hmm. story. And I'm grateful as well for the direction that it pointed me in with respect to my um, spiritual practice and my love for Eastern philosophy. And religion. Yes. yes, that is so cool. I definitely need to add Siddhartha to my book wish list. Mm-hmm. Or, and when I say wish list, I mean to purchase list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because you know, it's I find it amazing that not that it necessarily was like required reading, but that you were provided an opportunity to be exposed to that at such a young age. Because you know, growing up, I knew like who the Buddha was. Yeah, I but like my understanding was so bland. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, they're really peaceful, and like that was <laughs> as far as it went. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then I got a, a little bit of a deeper taste, and I say that in a very superficial way because I took a world religions class in college, cool. and and we, you know, we covered his story as much as like in that class can allow but for me what was so amazing about his story is that you know he like lived his life like he got married he had a son he was like doing all of the things 
And then there was just something in him that was just like, it's, it's like you said, there was like something missing, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's a beautiful representation for anyone who might be feeling like they are also maybe unaware right. of something. Right. You know, he was well into his forties, I think. Um, or at least middle aged from from what I recall, and my memory might not be terribly accurate. So yeah. please don't judge me too harshly. Mm-hmm. But you know, the point is that he was like living his life and he was doing his thing and then one day he <laughs> pretty much convinced his lifelong servant to let him out of his estate. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's badass. The journey that he took. So Siddhartha, yeah, that's definitely going on the to read list. Yes, absolutely. Mm. It's one that I, it's required to be on my shelf in all places that I live. (laughs) So have you you owned more than one copy? No, I haven't. I just have this one, but I take it every time that I move, you know, I never, Mm -hmm. you know, how in the process of moving, uh, sometimes some of your books can be the first things to go, especially if they're heavy. Um, yeah, this one will always stay in my shelf or box collection. (laughs) So (laughs) that's really really cool. Gotta be there. Yeah. Absolutely. What is, um, which one do you want to start off with? I think I'm going to start off with the one I briefly mentioned before. This is not a spiritual book. This is not a reference book. This is a young adult book that I came across. I want to say when I was 12, maybe 13 years old. I feel like 12 is probably more accurate. Yeah. I actually didn't come across this particular book first. The The book I'm going to reference, it's the first in the series, but the one I found and initially checked out from the library was actually the third in the mm. series. Mm. And I picked it because the title is The Woman Who Rides Like a Man. Mm. And I thought to myself, that's fucking badass. Mm. And it's this picture of this red-haired woman on this gorgeous golden mane and... Uh, she has a black cat with purple eyes with her and I'm just like this is my <laughs> shit but I not <laughs> 12 years old but I didn't realize it was the third in the series until I got home yeah and I was devastated I was like mom we have to go back to the library and she's like what are you talking about I'm like I picked up the third in the series and not the first one and she's like well you're gonna sorry babe you're gonna have to wait until like next week or however long we waited and so I got the first book and it is titled Alana the first adventure and this is part of the song of the lioness quartet but it is the first installment of the chronicles of turtle turtle chronicles it's something like that I haven't looked at these books in a little while Mm. um but this book I'm flipping through I'm trying to find so this book originally came out in 1983 wow yeah um yeah <laughs> and the the stories of this particular series the song of the Linus, is about a girl named alana and her goal her dream is to become a knight but it's say in a medieval time period obviously where women are not permitted to do such a thing she mm-hmm. has a twin brother named tom mm. and she trades places with him 
Wow. There, there is magic in the series, and in the series, it's referred to as the gift. Mm. And they both have the gift. Alana is afraid of it. She's not a fan. She doesn't really want anything to do with it. And she kind of figures, well, if I don't do anything with it, it'll go away. Yeah. Which is definitely not how it works out. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but her original intention, like the place she was supposed to go was to learn to develop the gift. Mm-hmm. And her brother ends up doing so. And she does later in the series. But yeah, she... Uh, she gets away with it for quite a while. And then obviously she develops friends who keep her secret. And yeah, it just, there were so many things about the story that I found so empowering. Mm. There's this young woman who is intended to like basically have her life go in one direction, but she doesn't even want it to go. Right. So she takes a huge risk, like penalty of death, huge risk to follow her dream which is to become a knight and fuck and like really be honest and true to who she is and eventually she becomes I would say more comfortable with her abilities but it's the first series that like really made me believe in female empowerment not only that but in magic and how those two can actually be really beneficial towards each other yeah And this series goes on for quite a while. There's two other quartets that fit into it. And then there's a set of two um, that come after that, that like follows Lana's daughter and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, and and each quartet kind of follows different folks. And these aren't the only books that um, the author's written. Her name is Tamara Pierce. Yeah. I highly encourage it, even as an adult, like the obviously the writing is very dated and it's very very young adult yeah but it's such a fun story Mm. and there are characters that you grow to love and there are characters that you grow to really not love (laughs) and I I just found it incredibly dynamic Mm. and so every time she comes the Tamara Pierce comes out with a new book I still purchase it ha cool I haven't read a couple of her recent ones just because of timing and, you know, whatnot. But even if I never read them, for me, it's still important to buy them because I don't know that I would be the reader that I am without her. Yeah. So so if you have young nieces or nephews or if you just like a good young adult story and you want to get taken back to 80s writing style... <laughs> This is the series for you. <laughs> Lovely. Oh. <laughs> mm. That's so fun. I remember it. God, I read so many things when I was a kid, but I remember, mm-hmm. oh God, I'm really get, like taking it back to 90s style, but like Babysitter's Club and stuff. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> boxcar kids or boxcar box children. children. Yeah. <laughs> And you mentioned the um the scholastic book fairs and uh did you ever and this was in like our little library in elementary school I think but uh did you ever read zoo books you remember those magazines that like yes. had they all had I know we're really taking it back um they had like a different animal on the cover yes. yeah 
my younger brother was obsessed with those like those were his jam and really was (laughs) this kid has such a brain um I don't know if anyone remembers the eyewitness book series or Mm -hmm. television show Mm -hmm. um but they covered so many different topics and he was like super into animals I literally thought he was going to become a zoologist yeah or something like I I thought he was going to be like the American Steve Urkel not Steve Urkel (laughs) listening Steve Irwin Steve Irwin (laughs) (laughs) wrong part of the 90s wrong part of the 90s (laughs) did I do that oh my god worst circle impression you'll probably ever hear and you're welcome Laura. Um but back to the books. <laughs> back to the books. Okay. Um this is so this was introduced to me by my very first yoga teacher. Um mm. in yeah, so the earlier part of college. Um it's a book called The Four Agreements. Uh, <gasps> another one is that one of your books too that's one of my books too (laughs) okay cool so let's interchange and talk about it um so yeah it came to me in my uh yeah like in my early 20s um in college and uh my and it keeps it's interesting because it keeps coming back around Mm -hmm. uh through my circles of friends and through um a uh, a therapist that I met recently um yeah just it's a solid uh book to guide yourself through life and it's it comes from the the it's a Toltec wisdom book um but it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily have a religious connotation it's just a guide or even a spiritual connotation necessarily it just it's practical wisdom for life. So just to name the four agreements, first one is be impeccable with your word. The second one is don't take anything personally. Mm -hmm. The third agreement is don't make assumptions. And the fourth agreement is always do your best. And the main premise of this book is that, and we are, we are, told this in more ways than one but that basically we grow up uh collectively under a a certain kind of program Mm -hmm. um which includes social norms and what it means to be a good little boy or a good little girl or what have you and then this gets imprinted on us um through our family dynamics and things like this and Mm -hmm. so this is about breaking out of the agreements that you were kind of born into and creating Mm -hmm. a code of your own um, Mm -hmm. through following these four agreements. And there are other books that um, Don Miguel Ruiz has written after this one, but Mm -hmm. he, I think what he basically says, like in the beginning part of this book is that even if you just were to commit to following one of these agreements, that your life would change drastically. Like if you took um, just as as simple as always do your best, you know, if you really commit to believing that you're always doing your best, you will free yourself of like patterns of self-criticism, mm-hmm. um, judgment of, um, blaming yourself, blaming others, like all those negative storylines that you go through yeah. that cause you to be so hard on yourself about 
who you are and about what you do and how you do it and what you think and blah, blah, blah. Um, if you, if you really believe that you're always doing your best, then you will liberate yourself from so much negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say I came across the four agreements and, and when I say come across, I mean, like actually took the time to read. <laughs> yeah. Probably in my mid twenties, I'd seen it for a while. You know, they, it's, I think there's a reason why it was displayed for so long in so many different places. And, you know, I, that's one of, I don't have a copy at the moment because this is the mm. book that I've given away the most. Ah, uh, yeah. Cool. Every time I encounter someone where it just, I think there are times where you can feel when someone isn't quite maybe operating where they want to be. Mm-hmm. and it's not a judgment from me on them but like you can when you encounter someone who doesn't think highly of themselves or doesn't trust themselves or is very self-deprecating mm-hmm. and passes it off as kind of like a joke mm-hmm. you can kind of tell that they maybe they might be struggling a little bit inside yeah and this is like the book that I've gone to time and time and time again yeah because it's like when you read off just like what the four agreements are, it sounds really fucking simple. Oh yeah. Because it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. think we have a tendency to overcomplicate things. No doubt. And apply a lot of contingencies mm. on things. Mm. Like the one you said, always do your best. Well, you know, my best wasn't as good as yesterday. So therefore it must not be my best, you know, it's it's stuff like that, that we kind of get cut up on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, as simple as this stuff is, it can also feel really tricky because of those patterns and programming that maybe we've experienced growing up through our own family dynamics, through social interactions and just our culture in general. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I remember reading the first one, you know, first one is be impeccable with your word and thinking to myself, like, that's your first, like, that, that's what you want me to agree to is be impeccable with my word. Like, that Mm -hmm. sounds like the stupidest shit ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I think that one is probably made the first initial impact on me. Because after I read it, I started kind of like watching for when yeah. Oh, yeah. I wasn't doing those things and not to punish myself or blame myself, but I just became curious. Like how often am I not in alignment with these things? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's hard. And sometimes you lose sight of your intentions because of the circumstances around you. Mm. But mm-hmm. I think at the same time, as long as at the, end, at the end of the day, or maybe the next day you come back and you're just like, wow, yesterday was a really hard day. I'm going to try and do better today. Yeah. Because these are not agreements that you're making for other people or with other people. These are agreements that you're making for yourself with yourself. Yep. So I am a recovering yes girl. And when I say yes, that, queen. <laughs> <laughs> when I say that, I mean that like I there's a part of me that loves taking care of people. And there's a part of me that loves making sure other people's needs are met. 
But that's a really dangerous, slippery slope because you can't do that for everyone all of the time. The only person you can really ensure that you're doing that for is yourself. And for me, that kind of tied in with don't take anything personally. It's like, well, mm-hmm. if I didn't do this and this person's going to be mad and da, da, da. Well, you know, finding where you end and the other person begins can be really, really tricky. Mm-hmm. But I also think that utilizing something as, I don't want to call it simple, but it kind of is. If you use something as uncomplicated, shall we say, mm-hmm. as these agreements, mm-hmm. even just one, just pick one. Right. <laughs> pick, pick what might sound the easy, like the easiest one. Always do your best. I noticed that things start to follow with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I used to make promises before I even thought about it. Like I would just agree to stuff. Right. And then like, I would kind of have like agreement remorse. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a really quick way to deplete yourself. And so it's, it's been a very long lesson that I've been learning probably over the last six or seven years and that being putting myself to the same standard that I put other people like my standard for happiness my standard for contentment my standard for comfortability whatever it is putting Mm -hmm. myself at the same level that I put other people makes it a lot easier yeah so four agreements big changes (laughs) that's right and it's one that you can I mean you might be really into it for, I mean, this is what happened to me with this book where I was like, I read it through um, and I tried to understand it the best that I could when I first read it. And then, yeah, it just kept coming back around and coming back around. And it was funny because whenever I would get into a conversation with somebody about it, I was like, oh, I can remember like three of the four agreements, but not the fourth one. Damn it. <laughs> like, and it's come around like that for me a lot. And luckily I kept, you know, the book in my collection so that I could reference it when I had those conversations. So it comes around as a consistent reminder for me, even though I don't read it. It's a short book. It's an easy book to read, Yeah, but I haven't read it all the way through in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's wonderful just to use it as a reference point and crack into it um, mm-hmm. when I need to, you know. And I think one of the most powerful reminders of it lately, um, when I met somebody new recently, and is that she she mentioned this book in um, an interview that she had done, and she said, you know, with respect to the agreement of be impeccable with your word. She said something along the lines of, and we've heard this before too, in some respect is that words are spells and um, that we create much of our reality and sometimes other people's reality with our words. Mm -hmm. And um, she was just saying basically that if we all knew the power of our word and the power that we have to create with it, that we would actually be speaking a lot less. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really true. I thought that that was really interesting because like we're social beings, social animals Mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, 
yeah, when she said that, I was just like, oh, golly, that's really something to sit with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, it places a huge amount of responsibility and mm-hmm. accountability on ourselves for the way we engage with each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cause that's not the first time that I've heard it, but you know, and it always hits, I feel like it always hits me a little differently every time I hear it. And, you know, I've, for, <laughs> I, depending on what it is, um, more than often than not, I tend to be a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I just need to vent and let shit yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You know, but when I hear things like that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe it, it takes me to the second agreement. Don't take anything personally. Right. I think sometimes even indirectly, we take things personally because even though we might be kind of getting like um, residue or splash from other people's conversations or actions, you know, we might have some level of impact and then whatever that impact is, we're taking that personally. Mm -hmm. And so that really just kind of like, clicked with me big time Ooh, it's good yeah. shit y'all <laughs> <laughs> yeah so highly from both of us so we highly recommend yeah the four highly agreements. recommend highly yes. recommend even if you can't commit to reading the full thing for whatever reason just knowing what they are mm-hmm. um is a perfect foundation to be with and you can draw your own conclusions about what each of those means you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I haven't seen these in a little while but there was actually they it was not called an oracle deck I think it's called like a daily inspiration deck or something Ah, yeah Um, yeah yeah but um the author um came out with these and they were kind of like inspiration cards Mm. where you could draw one and they were all based around the four agreements but they were like positive affirmations or like you know, like verb, not verbal permissions, but you know, like something to kind of say, like, it's okay to give yourself this. It's okay to give yourself space or it's okay to take your time or like whatever it might've been. Right. So I think that's also another really fun way to, and I had a set for a little while. I probably gave them away because I I love them so much. And I was just like, it, it, I probably came across someone. I'm just like, you know what? I think you could really benefit from these. Mm. you know and again never from a judgmental way but just stay no from a place that like I had gotten so much benefit from them that I wanted to also share it absolutely yes yes Hmm. I'm looking at my stack here yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm gonna go to one that is appropriate for this time of year Mm -hmm. And this book, I have kind of mixed feelings about. You and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, Gina. But um, this book has kind of a special place in my heart, despite who it's written by. It's called Halloween Custom Spells and Recipes by Silver Ravenwolf. Now, before anyone gets all up in arms, (laughs) this book is the only one that I have by Silver Ravenwolf. 
I don't really, it's been a while, I think, since there's really been any controversy. I tried searching online to see if there's anything big or recent. Um, but especially in the early 2000s, there was a really big stink about Silver Ravenwolf, and I won't get into that here. Um, but the reason I chose this book for our conversation today is that this was the first book for the Sabbaths that I owned. Mm. And the most, I think in the last, I don't know, probably five, maybe six years, Llewellyn's come out with a new series on the Sabbaths or the holidays of the Wheel of the Year. Um, and I want to say that Llewellyn also published the previous series, but this was the first one that I owned that really told me about the Celtic history of mm. Halloween, of Samhain. And, you know, part of why I really enjoyed it when I first read it is that she kind of narrates it like a flight attendant. <laughs> like you're hopping on your brooms and you're going on this tour and so for me it was really really relatable and there's still some really fun crafts and stuff in here and it's not all specifically Halloween which looking back on it is like a little weird like she talks about making corn dollies which is you know you could very easily do that for Salon but at the same time like that's a very like Lunasa or Maybon craft so I guess it kind of depends on what you like but it when I was first kind of diving into my path and, and learning about different things and kind of exposing myself this is pretty much what I had available to me and part of the reason I still keep it is because it's part of that earlier collection some of the books are really hard to find now and it represents a part of my past that is really precious to me. I was such a green little witch, little spiritual practitioner. And it was, it was a big deal to me that I was able to get my hands on this book. And like surprisingly enough, I only paid $7 for it, which you can take that as you will. <laughs> I, I, did get it, I did get it from Powell, so I was supporting a local business. But yeah, it just, as, as controversial as the author has been and may continue to be, you know, I try to look past that and just focus on, you know, the, it, it felt like empowerment in my hands, like the little candle spells and little pumpkin seed recipes, you know, it, it provided me opportunities to dive into my practice deeper than I had been like allowed to before. Yeah. So there are definitely other books on Halloween. This particular book is a, is through the lens of Wicca. And of course, if you practice a different tradition or if you're looking for more just a, more pagan general book on Halloween on Samhain they're definitely out there and I encourage you to look at all of them but I mean even the cover is just so cute it's a giant jack-o'-lantern with a skeleton a ghost a scarecrow a witch and a vampire like dancing around it oh <laughs> and I think it's just very telling of the time that it was published and now I'm kind of 
curious. I'm gonna double check. Okay, first ed uh, first edition, fourth printing. That doesn't help me. When were you okay? So yeah, this came out in 1999. So it's been a hot minute. <laughs> But I think it's also kind of like a, a timestamp of like what information was available mm. at that time. Because this is kind of like the turning of like the new age wave, if you will, at least in America. Yeah. When these books were first starting to be published. And I don't have the more recent copy from Llewellyn. It's one of those things where like I kind of have one. So I've been kind of slow about mm. getting the others. But yeah, that's that's one that I like to reference this time of year just for funsies. Oh, cool. Awesome. I think the last one that I'm going to touch on is, and you all can judge me however you want for this one, <laughs> <laughs> but it made a profound impact on my life and how I conducted myself in my life. And for many... Um, for many women and probably for many men too, um, this um, this book and this movie um, was super powerful for um, for its time, and it's called Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> and I didn't know that was actually a book. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Where have I been? I I literally <laughs> thought it was just like that canvas art stuff. Eat, pray, love. Eat, pray, love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I saw the I saw the movie first when it came out in like uh after I got out of college um in 2010 mm -hmm. and I at that point I was already beginning to kind of reevaluate like the ways in which I was approaching life in a very like status quo cookie cutter kind of way mm -hmm. and um this book is all about a if you if you don't know the story it's all a, a book and a movie um where the main character Liz Gilbert or it's it's a memoir actually in many ways too um mm. this book and this uh, uh the movie adaptation so it's about um you know this woman who uh moves through a messy divorce and decides on a whim after that process kind of completes itself to travel to three different places for a year um, wow. and divides the year up into thirds in each place, um, Italy, India, and Indonesia. Mm. So, um, and it just chronicles, you know, her radical transformation of like, what does it really mean to be, um, alone but not lonely what does it really mm. mean to transform and to turn your pain into gold what does it really mean to write about it all mm -hmm. um and to really honestly take some sincere leaps of faith and be met with abundance and um just a, a life beyond anything that you could have imagined because mm -hmm. you decided to uh, leap into the unknown or walk into the unknown or you know sometimes take a dive into the unknown um so again lots of you listening have probably seen the movie or read the book or maybe not I don't know but it's just <laughs> if you're it's like a, me <laughs> it, it's one of the most powerful 
I think, one of the most powerful stories of our time. And mm. there's a reason why it's gotten a lot of hype. And um, I, you know, it's just gorgeous. It's a raw, it's a raw account of one woman's story of breaking out of this very status quo existence. Mm-hmm. And she's just, she's a brilliant fucking writer. Mm-hmm. Um, like the movie's great. The book's better. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of those. Um, but man, just like, it's, it's everything. It's a, it's a spiritual journey. It's a journey wrapped up in the experience of life through the senses and about, you know, moving from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm and uh learning how to thrive in the space in the middle yeah um and she really just it's an amazing story I don't know what else to say (laughs) so and it, it it impacted me profoundly because it gave me this book inadvertently gave me the permission to be Mm -hmm. able to explore some of those same things um things that I had already been thinking about but was too scared to like admit to myself like that I could live in that way or think in that way or make or take action in that way Um, it it imbued me with a lot of courage and a lot of inspiration to be able to be like yeah fuck yeah I'm gonna just pack (laughs) up my shit and leave this country and start a new life (laughs) like it inspired my own adventures I'll definitely say that most definitely yeah that's so, so cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to yeah. have to check it out now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'll be honest. I'm a little dumbfounded. I don't understand how this managed to escape me. Because <laughs> like legit, I, I feel silly saying it, but like I'll totally own it that I had no idea that it, that that title, that phrase was based on a book that would later become a film I really had no idea. I legit thought that it was just one of those things that someone clever came up with and was just like, this is going to sell big. And it has. Because I still see it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. So incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Do you have a last last one that you want to wrap up with? Yeah, this one is going to be um, a, I would say a reference. I think it's a wonderful reference. It was so hard because, you know, I think we're going to have to do more of these episodes because I'm just <laughs> loving every single minute of this, talking about books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this book is one that I have been actively working with throughout the year. I may have mentioned it before but it is the ultimate guide to chakras beginner's Mm -hmm. guide to balancing healing and unlocking your chakras for health and positive energy by dr athena paracas she is the founder and ceo of sage goddess so you may have heard of her i've probably mentioned it because like i said i'm obsessed with it Mm -hmm. this book is really kind of like what launched me into my interest my study and and my work with the chakra system the book itself works with the nine chakra system so it works with the seven primary chakras that most of us are familiar with root through crown and then there are two additional chakras the earth star chakra and the soul star chakra the illustrations are amazing i was introduced to roberta orpwood through this book 
and I cannot say enough about her. She's just such an incredible artist. She did all of the watercolor for it. And this, this book is, it actually comes in like two different versions. I have both because I thought they were different, but you know, one's a little smaller, (laughs) but the one I have, um, or at least the one I'm holding in my hands at the moment is a little bit larger and it really walks you through each and every chakra. Not only does it talk about what those energy centers represent and, and signify for us when we work with them, but there are reference, not references, but um, correspondences upon correspondences. There's, she talks about gemstones, essential oils, herbs, runes, tarot cards, planets, um, deities, and archetypes to work with. There's different ceremonies you can do. She talks about the planets. There's meditations in here. There's literal. it's just so chock full of information. It's a little insane. It's a pretty thick book, right? Yeah. So the copy that I'm holding in my hands, let's see, um, including the index is 207 pages. Okay, cool. And one thing that I love in particular about this book And you can take this to any level that you like. But um, one of the things that the author did was she went into sacred space. She went to a trance and she channeled a message from each Mm. of the chakras. Mm. And if the earth chakra could speak, if the sacral chakra could speak, you know, and just very, very empowering, very calming and comforting but also kind of challenging Mm. messages Mm. because for those who have been listening for a little while or have been with Gina and I for a while even when we were back on Instagram like chakras are a huge pillar of my personal practice and a lot of the work I do is through the lens of the chakras and so getting this book definitely propelled me forward in that practice significantly (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like I have done more healing and integrating and releasing and challenging myself since working with this particular book than I have probably throughout my entire practice and I don't give full credit to the book credit where credit is due but I also think it depends on like being in a place where you're ready and prepared and willing to do the work absolutely I think I just got really lucky in that in the time, because I actually had this book for at least a year or so before I started working with it. Because mm. I remember pre-ordering it and getting it and looking through it and being amazed and overwhelmed and setting it down. <laughs> yeah. And it really wasn't until the beginning of this year, pre-COVID, I'm talking like maybe second week of January, that I felt the call and I started going into it. So beautiful I'm wondering before we end could you read us um the channeled message for the heart chakra absolutely I would love to flip there there you are heart all right 
If the heart chakra could speak, I would speak to you of love. For here in my arms, you can find the unconditional tenderness you have sought for many lifetimes. I am here to teach you how to both give and receive love. Oh, how the heart becomes wounded in this life. Desires mingle with expectations and then the reality of humanity sets in. People can only give so much, love so much, offer so much. There is always a limit in the mortal realm. Humans can only do so much with what they have and where they are. It is not for lack of desire or will. It simply is. You seek a spiritual love. A love that transcends time and space. A love that feels like home. When humans speak of home, connect to the idea of home, they are anchoring themselves in the universal home. The star systems from which all of our souls emerged many thousands of years ago to pioneer the human experience on earth from which all souls collectively descend and to which all souls return. If I, the heart chakra, could speak, I would remind you that love is truly all there is. You are here to see, experience, learn, give, and receive love. Nothing more, nothing less. My greatest teaching to you, if you can receive it, is that people are flawed and will fail you. You must find a way to love them anyway. Life will bestow hundreds of moments of magic upon you. If you can pause long enough to see and appreciate them, those moments will sustain you when it seems like all is lost. Let yourself be immersed in those moments and know that they, that more always come. They always come. Love always comes. Love indulges the human grasp. Cling to it too tightly and love flees. Ignore it too long and love disappears. Love needs even and consistent care, appreciation, acknowledgement to flourish. That is the secret. Tell love often that it is loved. In return, love will tell you often that you are loved. Love wants you to experience ease and flow. When you stop struggling, you will float. I promise. I see you. Mm, thank you for that. I needed yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny that you asked for the heart shocker because one of the things that I didn't say that I was kind of feeling as I read that is that there's a little bit of tough love in there mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's true yeah <laughs> that radical honesty <laughs> yeah 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 so those messages when we can kind of get out of our own way and and listen without I imagine like kind of like just your body language like being closed off like you're crossing your arms like your head is down like you're kind of like almost like shrinking into yourself and just being like you know if I can just not that you have to even let it sink in but if you just like kind of let it sit with you sometimes Mm. I think that's just as powerful because maybe it doesn't resonate in the moment there have definitely been times where I've read something and I thought to myself they don't know me (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then coming back around however long and being like, yeah, maybe there was some truth to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's, it's all a journey. And I think, you know, I just keep coming back to the first book you shared with Siddhartha and, you know, and the, the journey that the Buddha went on, not mm-hmm. just in ultimately becoming who he became and reaching mm-hmm. enlightenment, mm-hmm. but just the journey as a human. 
right as a man that he went on mm-hmm. that in yeah. in some ways a lot of us are on but we're kind of like we're not maybe physically alone you know maybe we have families or obligations through friends or through work and so we're like we're surrounded all the time but mm-hmm. internally it can feel like we're we're walking the road alone yeah and just that reassurance that you know it's it's not forever sometimes you know that that solitude and witnessing witnessing of the suffering that the buddha did you know and then he went into solitary but he ended up coming out yeah yeah it's it's about you know the what do you call it the crests and troughs of life and of interaction and things like that and there are certain points where your practice or however you're leading your life there are points where you'll kind of like hermit out and Mm -hmm. you need that time to collect yourself and to dial back into what is true for you and then eventually you know we have to learn to come back out and interact with the world again in a more Mm -hmm. skillful and in a more in tune kind of way yeah um once we replenish you know our own reserves and uh, Mm -hmm. get the teachings that we need to receive from being in that space with ourselves Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and I think a big lesson with that too is that you know especially in today's world and I know that Gina you and I have talked about this a little I I was gonna say off camera (laughs) (laughs) maybe behind the scenes a little is that you know sometimes the lessons that we learn or that we're provided with they're they are for us and us alone Mm mm-hmm that's not to say that we can't share them or even share them on a big scale at some point. But I think, you know, one of the things I've been learning about myself is that, you know, sometimes learning the lesson and integrating it and kind of keeping it close to you for a little while Mm -hmm. is more impactful than like almost like rushing out to like scream it at everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, thinking about the Buddha and, you know, like when he reached enlightenment, he was like in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anybody around to like go and talk to about it. So he had to like take an additional journey to reach people to, Mm -hmm. to start engaging with and and sharing his wisdom with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those journeys are slow. Yeah. Beautiful. So with that, everybody, that concludes today's episode. If you want to learn more about us, as always, you can visit our individual Instagram accounts at Gina.Redondi and at Theolin13. You can also reach us with comments and questions through our email, ccradiancepodcast at gmail.com. So much fun. I loved doing this episode. I love talking about books. So this is probably not the last time we'll do an episode like this. No doubt. Um, yeah. You know, I like to think, you know, maybe a little boastfully that you and I have some pretty extensive libraries. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, we do. <laughs> so we could very easily do this again. Um, so if you would enjoy hearing more about 
what books have impacted us or references or what we've really even maybe been reading recently, be sure to let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Tune in next time. We're going to be talking about dun dun dun. Salin is approaching us. The wheel is turning. Next time we're going to be talking about Salin and Halloween, their relationship and their differences and kind of how we observe and incorporate the themes and energies of this time of the year. It's going to be good fun. Yes, I'm stoked <laughs> on that one. Thank you so much, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah thank you so much all for joining us here at co-creating radiance may you find radiance where you least expect it be good to yourselves be good to each other until we meet again see you next time mm -hmm.